If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. True Hauntings is a frightfully good production. One of the most haunted sites you will stumble upon in Ireland is also one that has been a religious sanctuary to an order of Franciscan friars since its establishment in the 15th century. Created on instruction by the voice of God himself, the abbey was also a place of pain and suffering, having been raided by English troops set on removing Catholic orders from the country. Those citizens that would not leave were threatened with torture and death. The abbey ruins are eerie and still hold a presence about them that will have you expecting to hear the friars at prayer or walking through the cloisters at any minute. Hi, I'm Renata. And I'm Anne. And in this episode of the True Hauntings podcast, we go to the land of soda bread, Kerry Gold Butter, the greenest grass you will have ever seen, and where history, faith, and incredible turmoil all go hand in hand. Join us on this eerie exploration of the haunting legends and terrifying tales surrounding one of Ireland's most iconic locations. Muck Ross Abbey. Anne and Renata have been investigating paranormal occurrences for the past 20 years. They have been at the center of various unexplained phenomena and have witnessed countless ghostly experiences. The duo now turn to high-profile cases that have attracted the eyes of the world. Between the dimensions we see and the dimensions we don't, supernatural forces are at play. Evil lurks within the shadows of our homes and in the darkest corners of our minds. It follows us like a shadow forever. This is where nightmares become reality. This is True Hauntings. In the refectory of Muckross Abbey, where the monks dined and where visitors were shown hospitality, there was a big fireplace from which welcoming heat radiated. 
When the abbey was unoccupied during the mid-18th century, the recess of this great fireplace became the bed of a man known as John Drake, who, from around 1750, lived amid the ruins. He was said to be under 40 years of age, refined in nature and scholarly in appearance. He never discussed his past, his plans, or his reasons for adopting this unusual abode. He built himself a bed made from pieces of old coffin boards and placed some straw on them as a sort of mattress. He windproofed the nearby window with earth and rubbish. This was his chosen residence for at least 11 years. He never asked for arms and was never known to eat in any dwelling other than his own. He had enough money to buy some food and indeed was known to give a half penny and his prayers to any person who seemed more destitute than himself. The kindly Muckross people treated him with great respect and never invaded his privacy. It was assumed that John would live out his life in the abbey and that his mortal remains would be interred in the adjoining graveyard. But these expectations did not come to pass. One day, in late springtime, John was nowhere to be seen. Just as suddenly as he had arrived to the abbey, he now disappeared. His bed lay unruffled, but nothing else remained. John had gone quietly into the dark night and was never again seen in Muckross or heard of anywhere else. The mystery of the unusual life of John Drake in Muckross remains just that, a mystery of a quiet and gentle man who arrived unannounced and departed without a trace. Welcome back to the studio, Anne. Thank you, Renata. It's been a while, hasn't it? Mm, yes. We've been Seems ga- like forever. We've been gallivanting. Seems like forever when we don't do these um, once a week. Yeah, but we've also been in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. We've done one since, haven't we? Yes, it's we all have. It's all mush in my head at the moment. <laughs> uh, I've got no idea. Well, the problem is we're already organising our next tours. So yes. that, that's done and dusted. We're on to the next one. Right, next. And the next one is in Ireland. Yes, and this is one of the places we're going to visit. Yes, so if you are interested in finding out information about our Ireland tour, head to uh, the notes that are associated with this particular podcast and you will find the link to Mysterious Adventures and have a look at the Frightfully Good Adventure to Ireland in uh, March of 2024 and uh, join us because there is a list as long as your arm of all the places we are going to visit. We are going to be exhausted. Happily exhausted. And happily exhausted. And full of soda bread and Kerry Gold Butter. Absolutely. We need Kerry Gold Butter as a sponsor, I reckon. (laughs) (laughs) I'd be happy with that. Yep. But pay us in butter. That's right. Um, and yes, we have previously been. I have been once. I think you've been twice. To I cross. have been twice. Oh, you lucky <laughs> thing. Yes. Uh, and uh, we went, uh, when we went together, it was dark 
couldn't see a thing. So I've not seen it during the day. No, neither um, have I. I've only no. ever seen it when it's dark. <laughs> <laughs> I need to see it during the day um, as well because it's it's a fascinating place. But the um, structure itself at night is so eerie, especially with the yew tree. Yes, the yew tree. I actually had, I think I still do have that as my screensaver mm. on my phone. It is stunning. Mm-hmm unbelievable and you can feel the presence of this this majestic tree that's yeah. in the center of the abbey yes and um i remember I've got goosebumps just i remember about when it. we went it was autumn so the colors were yeah. changing oh we actually spoke to danielle i spoke to danielle yesterday um briefly and she said um this is our irish correspondent danielle and she was saying to me, oh, you would love the colours of the trees right now. They are everything from the lightest of yellows through to the gold to the deep burgundy reds. And I said, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> and I need photos. <laughs> I just remember us driving through Ireland in those um, little <clears throat> roads and we'd just be going, oh, <gasps> 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 stop. But then spring is just as beautiful because yes. we were there in spring last year. Yeah, or this is. year, sorry. Mm. All right, let's get on with it. <coughs> Dave Schrader will have to be cutting out all this stuff that we're rattling <coughs> on with here. Hello, Dave Schrader of the Paranormal 60. And, oh, and welcome to all the new listeners from Paranormal 60 who have come across and listening to Auntie Anne and Auntie Renata. Yeah, thank you so Carry much. Carry on with our drivel. Thank you so much for joining us and being a part of our show as well. Mark Ross Abbey. Now, this is both an old Irish monastery and also a modern Irish graveyard. There is a graveyard next to it. Who would have thunk? I know. We wouldn't have seen it during the night. Yeah, the first time I went, they sort of said, yeah, you can stay here in the abbey or you can go out into the graveyard. And I've gone, there's a graveyard? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Because it's just so dark, you can't see it. That's that's right. Uh, now, it is also situated in the middle of the National Park and it's a five-minute walk from Muckross House Car Park. Yeah, it wasn't that far. Mm. So it dates back to the beginnings of the, of Christianity in Ireland. Mm-hmm. Oh, those crazy Christians. <laughs> <laughs> it's the first monastery, um, or the first monastery was reputed to have been built here by St. Fionan. Fionan? Look, I'm going to butcher all the the names. I'm sorry. I'm saying straight away. The shoulder action that's going, (laughs) every time you got it, the the shoulders are going up. It's great. So, look, I apologise straight away. Any Irish people can call up and uh, let us know. Yeah, let us know how to pronounce these things. No, don't. And it is said that it was built sometime in the 6th century, so in the 500s. And the name Macris means the wood of the pig. Very nice. That's oh, just so... That's, that's romantic. That's romantic and scenic. And it refers to the early practice of pasturing hogs in the woods. Oh, okay. Okay, nice. Hmm. Now, as mentioned before, a Muckross Friary was established under the patronage of Donald McCarthy, and he was born in 1373. And uh, the establishment of it was uh, around 1373. No, 1440, sorry, 1440. So, hang on. Wasn't it established in the the five, 500s or Hold something? On. Oh, there's, sorry. There's a couple of establishments See, here. I was listening yeah. for a change. There's a few refoundations. Right, okay. Um, because, so you've got Donald, 
who established oh it in um, 1440. You had St. Fionan. Uh, who was in, shoulders went again? Who uh, established it in the 16th century? Say and it, then say it again. Say it, Fiona. Fiona. Your shoulders Fiona. went again. You, you can't Fiona. help it. I've got to wish I had a camera on. All right. And uh, there's also also uh, a story that says that Donald's great grandfather Cormac McCarthy Moore wanted to found an abbey and it appeared to him in a vision so by god and he and he was instructed that he should build it nowhere else other than carignashula that's as close as i'm going to get to how you say this or the rock of music so he sent allegedly uh his men out to search for this place but guess what they couldn't find it but along the way back to Cormac, they were passing a small village when they heard the most beautiful music coming from a rock. Yes, you heard me right, from a rock. Oh, oh, so that's, maybe that's where rock and roll comes from. I was going to say, was it rolling? Mm. Oh, rock let's and not roll? Go there. Oh. And this is then where the abbey was founded. So, on a rock. The rock of music. Jack we, Black we would better be happy. Go. We better go and um, listen to it, listen for it. Yeah. This time when we go. Well, I won't hear it because I'm deaf as anything. So you keep telling me. Yeah. <laughs> so the first reference of Macross. So all those people who think I pick on Renata all the time, let me tell you when these microphones off, she's horrible to me. I'm in tears oh, all the time. Oh, what a lot of rot. <laughs> The first reference to Macross occurs in a bull of 1468. The talking bull of 1648. A, a bull is um, a, yeah, writings. Just remember this is writings. listening, waving your hands around and not going to let people know what it is. Just consider that I'm continually moving as I talk. Yes, she's doing helicopter arms <clears> either <throat> side. And that indicated that the community community had actually been in existence for about 20 years under the observance of their guardian, Richard Schilvart, or Schilvar, or Schilvar, whichever one you want to pick. Yeah, it's Richard pick. anyway, Dick. Dick. <laughs> under the guardianship of Dick. Dick C. No, it's getting worse. Stop it. <laughs> So what you see today are the ruins of a Franciscan friary uh, and it's in a pretty, yeah, it's a pretty good state of preservation yeah, with is. all the walls of the cloister and its association bu- associated buildings still in their original and complete state. Now, the monks of Macross Abbey were driven out in the 1650s by the infamous Cromwellian forces. Mm-hmm. So Oliver Cromwell was out to destroy all of Christianity um, everywhere and he did pretty well. He destroyed m- more or less everything that it could lay his hands on. Now, the first attack on the friary came a little bit earlier in 1589 when soldiers of Queen Elizabeth had a crack at it um, and they attacked the community. That's a historical term, had a crack at it. It is. Um, And then the um, Cromwellian forces came along. Now, Father Donna O'Murthill... And his companions We're so intelligent. fled, and he, I just can't do this in Irish. Uh, and his companions fled, and they hid their sacred vessels and valuables on one of the islands in Lochleen. However, they were captured and put to death. 
Um, and as mentioned in the um, introduction, anyone who wouldn't leave, they were given an opportunity to leave uh, and anyone who wouldn't leave was literally put to death, tortured yeah. and put to death. Um, and um, so the friary was sacked and burned in 1652 by the Cromwellian army under Lord Ludlow. And a year later, um, Friar Francis O'Sullivan uh, was the head of the 60 Franciscan houses in Ireland and he was put to death um, on Scariff Island. And his body is buried somewhere on the island, but his skull was preserved in the sacristy of the Killarney Friary. We need to go and find his skull. Oh, I wonder if it was deep in the friary. Yeah, you don't get my joke? Okay, no. that's getting worse. No. I'm trying hard. I'm mm. out of practice of being funny, obviously. So the friars returned in smaller numbers uh, until the penal laws came into effect on the 1st of May 1698. Now, under these laws, all Catholic orders were told to leave the country under the pain of imprisonment, transportation, or we're going to kill you. Yep, nothing like peaceful religions, is yeah. there? So Father Anthony O'Kelly, who was the Franciscan provincial at the time, decided to obey the law and the majority of the order went into exile in France or Spain. Many of them returned to Ireland at a later date, probably when it was a little bit more quieter. And safer. Now, yeah. the Abbey, as you can guess, with all of these upheavals and uprisings and raids, this happened to be something quite frequent that occurred. Now, local gangs also got into it because, you know, why not? Let's let's see what we can get out of the friars. Uh <laughs> Chico rolls, <laughs> hot chippies. And as mentioned before, the armies of Elizabeth I and Cromwell uh, often um, came through and damaged and and rebuilt and damaged and rebuilt and damaged and rebuilt the whole thing. So I, won I wonder if, if our American listeners know what Chico rolls are. No, we'll have to put the, a we, picture we, up. Sometimes they're called mystery bags. <laughs> It's a beautiful pastry that's fried deep in golden, like a long case around a sausage. But no, what did we have at the cheesecake in, factory? That whatever's looks like in, a, yeah, that's the egg roll. Egg rolls. Yeah, so it's like an egg roll with a, a it's really thicker, fluffier <sighs> pastry. But yep. what's inside, we're never quite sure. No, but sometimes you get a bit of cabbage. Sometimes you get a bit of something that could be a bone. Might be mince. It's, it's delicious. <laughs> Am I selling everyone on it? No. I'll look up a Chico roll. Oh, can we, we, can get... we give our Americans that come over a um, oh. a dinky dye dinner? Yeah, yeah, we'll have to have meat pie, tomato sauce, Chico chick, rolls. and potato scallops. <laughs> They'll all go away. Oh, have we not squirreled? Oh, Stop it. sorry. Oops. There goes the ADHD. Oh. <laughs> Right, where am I up to? Friars no Glen. Friars Glen on Mangerton Mountain is said to have been one of the places the monks would flee when the monastery was attacked. Let's go up to Friars Glen. That sounds like somewhere where no one would find them. Oh, they wouldn't <laughs> think to look in Friars Glen where all the friars had gone, no, would they? Not at all. No. <laughs> uh, there were a series of small cottages there where the monks would shelter. Oh, honestly. Uh, so this happened numerous times over the history of the Abbey and one of the darkest times of the Abbey's history was in 1589 uh, when Elizabeth I raided the place. Now, unfortunately, um, with all of these raids, in most cases, those that fleed 
flew, fled, fled. fled. (laughs) (laughs) They were all captured and executed without even a second thought. Um, And around the time of Elizabeth I, two innocent men, Father Donna O'Murhili and his companion were captured. They were tortured and stoned to death in Macross Abbey. So if you're looking for two names to call out during your EVP sessions, you're after Father Donna mm-hmm. and um, his companion. <laughs> You've forgotten already. You <laughs> no, just... there is no name. Oh, sorry. Okay. Oh, dear. Yeah. So Father Donna and, and your companion. Best, and your best and your body. Best mate. Oh, dear. But look, it's good to know these names because when you go to these places, you've got a call that you can call out to. Yeah, you, because you we, actually... we didn't have that when we went and we did a spirit box session. Yes. Um, and we had some interesting things come up that were then validated later on. Yeah. And so wildly ridiculous that we kind of thought it's got nothing to do with Macross Abbey, but mm. it did. Uh Okay, so during penal times, masses were held at the Abbey, uh, which was no longer occupied. In 1788, it was said that there was a mass held on a temporary altar. The mass was attended by four or five friars and drew a large crowd from the local area. In 1929, the first mass was said in the Abbey since penal times. The mass was attended by nearly 3,000 people from Cork, Tralee and Killarney. In 1940, the 600th anniversary of Macross Abbey was celebrated and the Mass is still celebrated each July to this day. So over the years, of course, there have been numerous stories about hauntings at Macross Abbey and it's often considered to be the most haunted place in Killarney. So it'll be interesting if you um, have some of these interesting stories that I have come across. Now... um, have you oh, got well. anything about a gentleman called George Drake? Yes, John yes. Drake. You yes. just told that story, didn't yes, you? Yes, I did. Yes, you uh, did. And that soundscape today came from the mayor of Muckross. He actually wrote that for an article. Uh, I can't see where it is now, but I thought that was interesting that the, the former mayor wrote that. Mm, yes. Interesting thing here too. Now, we seem to come up against the name Bram Stoker. He's been around that guy. He's been around everywhere. He has. Getting um, you know, inspiration for his work. Now, apparently, he was quite young at this time because it says an, a young Irish author named Bram Stoker often visited Killarney and was known to have spent time around Muckross Abbey at night. It is thought that he drew some inspiration for his famous work, Dracula, from his time in the area. Oh, honestly. Yeah, I I had a bit of information on him and we might go through all the hits that we think might belong to uh, Count Dracula. Mm. Now, before I finish up, I'm just going to uh, let everyone know visually, if you could visualise this in your head. Um, what sort of the what the abbey looks like? So the compact abbey is made up of a rectangle nave and a chancel church with an inserted central tower between them. Adjoining the nave is a south transept, while on the northern side of the church are the cloisters, which beautifully surround the courtyard and an ancient yew tree. And honestly, this yew tree is 
freaking magnificent. It looks like it's been screwed into the ground because it twists it in does. on itself. I'm actually sitting here looking at a picture of it right now. Mm. So the refectory is located on the north side of the cloister to, and to the south is the abbot's house and kitchen. The dormitory is located on the east side of the cloister and fragments of wall paintings show the importance of art to help motivate Friar's private devotions. Oh, wow, that can be taken many ways. Yes. Mm. The ancient yew tree is arguably the most beautiful feature of Muckross Abbey. I would suggest that it is true. Yes. And in the centre of the garth is, um, well, that's where the, the yew tree is. It's smack dab in the middle. You can't miss it as you walk around the cloister. There is no way to get around it. And it's said to be uh, the oldest yew tree uh, and the oldest of the species to be found in Ireland. Imagine the stories that he could tell. Now, there's a local legend, I'm going to finish on this, that um, a miraculous image of the Virgin Mary is buried underneath the tree and anyone who damages the tree will die within a year. Yep, there goes most of my stories. Thank you, Renata. Oh, all right. No, that's all right. No, I've got plenty. All right. But I did have a couple of those. I might have a little bit more information on some of them, though. Mm -hmm. Okay. Hand it over to you and, and the ghost stories. Over to me. So the first magical thing or supernatural thing that happens is that the Abbey was founded on the uh, the Rock of Music. So it's going to have a layer of something special there to start with, I feel. Mm-hmm. I think you should say what um, the Irish word for that is, the Rock of Music. You're not getting away with it. Carig I... Neshula. I, I didn't have it written down, so I'm not avoiding anything. Ha, ha, ha. Yes. So um, now, she's still not saying it. I'm not saying because I don't have it written here to be able to look at it. Um, Follow my words. Listen to my words. I'm deaf. Listen to. (laughs) All right. Keep going. So uh, there are many sort of stories that I have found, and some of them have very varying themes. (sighs) Now, oh, this is where I'd have to. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way. So you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future 
and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improved jawline line definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist. To find out if it's right for you, look at where to start. Right, I, I think I'll start with the yew tree because we've been talking about it. So, yes, it is very famous, it is huge, it's ancient, it rises out of this central courtyard up over the top of the building. Now, the, I, want, I looked up some of the legends and superstitions surrounding this tree, and it is said that uh, if anyone is brave enough to nick the bark with a knife, that the uh, yew tree will bleed. So blood will pour from it. Uh, there is also another legend that should anyone who uh, does that to the tree, that they will drop dead. Now, I do remember when we were there being warned not to touch the tree because mm-hmm. there was a, a lot of legends surrounding. But I, I can't help but wonder if that's not just to protect the tree. Mm. You know the fact that um, I did read in an article that I was reading that um, the yew tree does, when it is nicked, um, drip a red resin. For the first several hundred years of its life, apparently, when you nick a yew tree, it has red sap that comes out, which looks like blood. So it's thought the tree is haunted and that it bleeds, but in actual fact... It's just the sap, but by God, that's a good story, isn't it? That is a good story. Keep your hands off that tree. Now, some experts believe the tree is up to 400 years old. Uh, They can't work out whether the abbey was built around the the yew tree or whether there may have been something planted there before that they built around it and then planted the yew tree afterwards. I've seen many different... uh, interpretations of how old the one which this one came from a little blog said um, they did a jaunting horse carriage ride through the national park to the 700 year old Muckross Abbey that was built around a 1000 year old yew tree okay the the roots of the yew tree are poisonous and it's said to be very bad luck to touch one I didn't know that they were poisonous but there you go Mm. so it's now gone from 300 to 400 to a thousand Let's make it 10,000. Oh, just keep going. 10,000-year-old tree. Yeah. So there is another one in a book called Heritage Trees of Ireland that Aubrey Fennell noted that normally one of these trees would be planted over the grave of a monk um, who has been absent for 100 years and returned to die there. Oh, 
God. Well, um, in my story, it was the Virgin Mary. Well, hang on. I'm getting not, to... I mean, not her. I'm, not get, her, I'm but... getting to that. All right? Okay. I'm getting to that. All right. Okay. Jumping the gun. Okay. There's a legend that the ver- miraculous image of the Virgin Mary is buried underneath it. So I've heard there's a statue. This is saying an image. I'm pretty sure they didn't have... Um, photos or anything those days. Maybe it was a painting. Don't know. Buried underneath the tree. But then I heard it had been buried underneath a dead tree somewhere else and they dug it back up again and it was all whole and um, miraculous. But this one said it was buried um, underneath the yew tree uh, and there was a warning attached to it and it went unheeded by a soldier who hacked off a small branch which dripped blood and he promptly dropped dead. Oh, no. Oh. All right. Now, there is a... Oh, I had the miracle of Our Lady. This is the the same thing, but where it says that it was buried under a dead tree. The statue was saved and the dead tree sprang back to life. It's a miracle. Uh, the Lady in White. Hmm. Because we cannot possibly have an episode without the Lady in White mm. making an appearance. She gets around, doesn't she? She does. Did She's... you hear about the Lady in White? No, oh. I heard about the Lady in Brown. What? Just uh, I'm not. I'm just, not saying just, anything. Just... I just. I just said Lady in Brown. That's all I'm saying. Three words. I don't know anything about a lady in white, though. I'm rolling my eyes, if you can hear it from there. Uh, now, the lady in white, The now, I again, I don't know how to say this, the Duchess, the Duchess School's Folklore Collection. Uh, there's repeated entries of a tale about a local landlord named Herbert. Now, Herbert had demanded some of his servants dig up the graves in the church, burn the bones and scatter the earth on his gardens. Oh, why? Oh, one why? Day, oh, he probably wanted some blood and bone on his gardens. Get some good roses happening. Some big carrots or potatoes. Don't look at me like that. That's just ridiculous. One day, oh, oh, this, is the sto- this is my job to find these stories. And I didn't even use chat GPT oh, at thank all. God. Not once this time. Keep it's, going. It's all my own research. One day... Herbert was walking near the church, this is Macross, and a woman in white jumped up behind him and hit him, knocking his face 180 degrees, so he lived the rest of his days facing backwards. (laughs) I love it. I love it. His dying words years later were, Macross, must I leave you? Oh, he would have always been looking as though he was going somewhere. (laughs) We keep saying to people, don't look over your shoulder. Don't look at your past. Look to the future. Mm. No, he was always looking backwards. Yeah. Hmm. All right. There is some. I've got some general information about. Uh, there's terrible shouting and screaming could be heard at night from the abbey, but during the day, it was deathly still. Crickets. 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 I'm sorry, I cut off your chirp. Yeah, of course you did. I'm rude. But now we, we're going to talk a little bit about the hermit. So we we mentioned John Drake and uh, how he just turned up at Muckross Abbey <coughs> and lived there. So he made his home. Now, this one says a deep recessed kitchen window, whereas the other one said it was a big fireplace. Uh, he used 
coffin boards and clay to cover up the windows instead of rubbish. He slept on coffin boards covered in straw. Yep, we had that with only a blanket. He cooked his meals in the kitchen fireplace. Uh, some people thought, you know, you know, gossip runs amok, doesn't it? No, it sure does. Oh, boy. Some people said he'd committed a crime and sought to seek his penance in the ruined abbey. He lived, he might just be sick of people. I mm. get that. Mm. Totally get that. First ADHD. <laughs> That's it. Well, it would either be autism or ADHD where you just got to get away from people, but yeah. then you crave because we we can talk about this because we've been diagnosed. <laughs> so it's okay. We're not being rude. We are talking about our own experiences. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you crave to be, well, I know I do, out in front of people and entertaining. And, uh, um, and then other times it's like, I don't want to see anybody. I just need to sit quietly and study my navel. Um, sorry, I've just twirled. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, they thought he was seeking his penance, um, praying, small garden, offering to help, all that, rah, rah, rah. Right, so after 11 years of living in the Abbey, he left. Yep, we got that. Some years later, a young woman arrived to, to Kalani looking for him. She was educated and cultured and she spoke a foreign language. Very little is known of the woman, only that she stayed in Kalani for some time visiting the Abbey regularly uh, and that she wept in the window recess, prayed where he prayed and gave generously to all who had helped the hermit. Oh, maybe she was his daughter or, or a long-lost sister cousin or, or something. You, you don't know. It doesn't did it say, oh, it was a young woman. Yeah, so maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that came from Retrace uh hyphen apps.com so i thought that was just a little interesting snippet i found in regards to that mm. now i i saved this ghost story for last but this is not the end of the podcast right we, we've got some other things to discuss because we have our own personal experiences there uh now this is the ghost of the brown man oh it's a brown man not a brown, it's a woman, brown sorry. man and this there was very many different stories. Uh, I'll, I'll give you some examples. A man who, upon going missing one day, was found by his wife in the Abbey graveyard feasting on the flesh. Of, Sorry, what was he doing? <laughs> was found by his wife in the Abbey graveyard. What was he doing? Feasting. Oh, feasting. <laughs> what the hell? I, who's deaf now? He's feast, feasting. There was nothing to do with fists in there at all, Renata Daniel. Uh, oh, no, how was it? Oh, we're going to get a wheeze. Oh. oh, sorry. I've been at a wake today. I need well, some fun. That, that explains oh. the, the jovial nature, doesn't it? Oh, dear, this sorry. is just going to make it worse now when I say this. Sorry. Yeah, all right. Don't so be he offended. Was found by... Found by his wife in the Abbey graveyard. <laughs> oh, sorry. Feasting on the flesh of one of the corpses. Oh, no. Oh, he's just having a snack. Oh, dear. And then there's another one that said there's the legend of the brown man who had a newly wed a newlywed whose bride came looking for him one night to find her husband knelt over a recently dug up corpse feasting on its flesh. So we've got like a, a um, vampire story going on here. Ah, there we go. Ah. Yes. That's, that's really interesting. It is. So 
maybe this is anyway we're going to talk about that later mm-hmm. but i i hate to be a party pooper and you know i do like to be a party pooper okay i can debunk this this is supposed to be a ghost story right uh-huh, this uh-huh. is supposed to be something that's happened gerald griffin's chilling short story mm-hmm. the brown man mm-hmm has largely been forgotten since its initial appearance in the collection of Holland Tide or Munster Popular Tales of 1827. Apparently he was trying to be a playwright and he created all these stories and and things and um, they all sort of flopped a little bit. But let me read you the story. See if you think there is any similarities here whatsoever. Mm -hmm. As the story is so little known, it may be useful at this point to provide a brief narrative synopsis. I like a good synopsis. Oh, no, right. The scene is set in a remote part of West Munster, where a widow named Guare and her beautiful daughter, Nora, live in poverty and near starvation. Their plight appears to improve when Nora is courted by and marries a strange horseman known as the Brown Man, who promises to make his new wife a lady, with servants at her call and all manner of fine things about her. She was being scammed. How do you know? You must be psychic. Ah, mm. uh, But on arrival at her new husband's home, Nora finds that the brown man's estate is a wild bog and his palace a clay hovel while the only food available is a handful of raw white eyes and a little salt. That sounds terrible. What are white eyes? I don't know. I'm I'm hoping they're berries with salt because if that's fish, I'm out of here. The bride trembles at the sight of the marital bed. (laughs) A little straw in a corner, but worse is yet to come. That night and the next, the brown man leaves the cabin, returning to bed cold as ice half an hour later. On the third night, he leaves again, but this time Nora secretly follows him, winding through a lane of frost-nipped sallow trees. To her horror, she sees her new husband, his horse, and his dog in the graveyard of Macross Abbey, seated on an open grave, eating something oh. and glancing their brown, fiery eyes about in every direction. The next day, <laughs> a terrified Nora pleads to be allowed to visit her mother. The brown man refuses. I didn't marry you to be Keeping you gadding. What? (laughs) I didn't marry you to be keeping you gadding. I think that means buggering off and doing something else. But offers to fetch the widow himself. In due course, the widow appears and Nora confides to the horrifying sight she has witnessed. My husband by the grave and the horse. Turn your head aside, mother, for your breath is very hot. Ew. Her mother has hot breath. Oh. Is it stinky? And the dog. And they and they eating. Oh, are you? Are, are not? Are you? Are not my mother? 
shrieked the miserable girl as the brown man flung off his disguise and stood before her, grinning worse than a blacksmith's face through a horse collar. Mm. Um, that's horrible. Blacksmith's face through a, through horse, a horse collar. collar. That. That's some swear. Mm-mm. He just looked at her one moment, then darted his long fingers into her bosom. Mm. Oh, he went for a grope. Good heavens. From which the red blood spouted in so many streams. She was very soon out of all pain. And a merry supper, the horse, the dog, and the brown man had that night by all accounts. Oh. Does it sound sort of familiar? Yeah. It's called Seven Devils, Gerald Griffin, The Brown Man, and The Making of Irish Gothic by Sinead Sturgeon. Mm. That was the paper that she had written, so I took that segment from there. But it reminds me a little bit of, um, what's that one near the airport that we stayed at that had the Sweeney Todd thing? Mm Mm-hmm. The was feathers something uh, ostrich, ostrich. Yeah. ostrichin. <laughs> yeah, it had something to do with feathers, uh, where there was a short story or a book or something that then became the legend of the place. Yes. Do you remember this story being told when we had our guide? Yes. You do. Uh, oh, this particular story, mm, no. About the brown man eating no. the things. No. Yeah. I don't remember it either. So maybe they're not telling the story. But on researching this particular one. It kept popping up all the time. So the brown man is a legend and feasting on the flesh of of exhumed corpses. Hmm. So what are the similarities to Dracula? What could he have possibly taken Bram Stoker to use? There's the coffins, mm-hmm. sleeping in the coffins. Mm-hmm. And um, the the feasting on flesh or the... Of, I mean, that's dead flesh, but still, mm-hmm. uh, it would have been part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What else is, was there, Renata? Were you listening? Uh, yes, but I can't, <laughs> I can't think. No, neither can I. The Abbey, like a sanctuary type of thing. Um, Which would have been his castle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and him taking a wife. Yes, and the stranger. People sort of knew him as a stranger. Yes. would just suddenly appear and then and suddenly disappear. disappear. That, we had one of our New Orleans stories. Mm-hmm. That, sorry, New that's, Orleans. That's John. That's the fella that lived in the um, cemetery for a while. Yeah. in I mean, in yeah. Cross Abbey for a while. Yeah. Would, uh, arrived, and came, disappeared. disappeared, really never ate anywhere else except in his, his place. Mm. Um, kind of never needed money yet could give uh, yes. half a penny. Yeah, he could give someone. money away. Mm-hmm. So they thought that he might have been rich. Mm-hmm. Didn't really need a bed. He slept on coffin yeah. boards. She obviously didn't hear me say that early, did she? <laughs> there yeah. you go. So there's all these little bits and pieces mm-hmm. that you could see where Bram Stoker yeah. may have collected yeah. them together. But let's have a quick chat about our experiences. Now, I had an experience, this is BR, before Renata, Mm -hmm. where I went to Ireland with my lovely husband, Roman, and we were on Dave Schrader's Ireland trip. And uh, we were on one of those bus trips, which our people are going to experience the Dublin one, which is hilarious, uh, where they took us to the Abbey and... 
it was really freaky. We had little pebbles being thrown at us. Uh, there, we'd sort of huddle around the the guide, and they'd tell us things. And then all of a sudden, somebody jumped out at us, and we realised that there was somebody there. So we we didn't know whether the pebbles being thrown at mm. us was real. What a shame. Mm. Um, he said it wasn't him. He mm-hmm. owned up to other stuff he did, but he said that wasn't him. Mm-hmm. But at some stage, they all went out into the graveyard and Tammy and I uh, went upstairs because there's still stairs there, a winding staircase to go up to the the top level. So we went up there and I took my spirit box and I, I put it out and we were asking questions and doing a, a session. And all of a sudden, I heard somebody running up those that stone stairwell. I remember you telling me yeah, about this. Yeah, and it was like really loud, heavy booted footsteps and I looked at Tammy and I went oh somebody's coming up the stairs Mm -hmm. so I turned off the spirit box and uh, ran over to see who was coming up the stairs and there was no one there Mm -hmm. so I ran down I run you know use that term loosely but I moved quickly and I wanted to see if I could find if somebody had come back from the cemetery part there was nobody around I went straight out into the cemetery and found the group Everybody was there and they said that nobody had left. Mm, wow. And it it was that heavy and that loud that it really sounded like soldiers' um, boots. Yeah. Uh, in, it wouldn't be armour, but some sort of heavy, heavy clothing coming up the steps, mm-hmm. like with intention. Mm-hmm. Like it was a bit scary. So that was my experience at Muckross Abbey. So, wow. We, you tell them about the, when we went with Danielle oh, I, and our tour guide. Yeah. Um, Do you remember? Uh, the only thing I remember is that um, Danielle, I think, was on the spirit box yep. uh, and doing Estes. So yes. she had headphones on. And she was mentioning some American person. No, was she was a, calling out names. And we had the tour guide there with us because it was just the three of us. We yeah. booked him for a private and... Um, uh, we were able to use his history and knowledge to ask questions. Mm-hmm. And he was a little taken aback because there were some things that Danielle was saying. Now, she's Australian, yeah. now living in Ireland, so she didn't have the knowledge on this place. Uh, none of us had done any research on it. No. And uh, he was asking questions and she was calling things back, but then mentioned the name Benson. Oh, and yes. we all went, oh, that's not very Irish, is no, it? No, it's not. And then we thought about it and we thought, oh, hang on, that might be British. Is this maybe one of the times where the British came over mm-hmm. and um, caused mayhem and murdered people? And later on, we looked it up. Well, no, I think Danielle actually got her phone out and started searching there and then. And Benson was one of the, the commanders of the army that was in that region. Mm-hmm. So quite possibly got a really good solid hit on that. Mm. So Renata just did a, a quick Google search to see if we could find the article that she found. And of course, we didn't have time. Um, but I love Macross Abbey. I'm drawn to it. I just feel the need every time I go to Ireland, I just want to go visit there. And it, I had one of my most profound paranormal experiences with those boots running up the stairs and it was great that I had someone else there to witness it it wasn't through the spirit box Mm -hmm. I did have a digital recorder going at the time but the spirit box was on this side and 
over the other side was the where the boots were coming up, so you couldn't hear the boots. Uh-huh. Uh, but it was there because we were both shocked. Mm-hmm. So, Renata, the question is... Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think because I've had experiences there myself, I, I would agree. I would have to say this is haunted, but also the bloody history of the place. Yes. Over over years and years and years, the, the torment and the suffering... Uh, for this people's was, beliefs. Yeah, this was supposed to be a place of sanctuary for the friars. They were um, praying, they did their thing, and that was it. And, of course, when things changed in England, um, the requirement was for it to change everywhere, and they were just yeah. destroyed time and time again. And people talk about bloodthirsty religions that, you know, talk about they're going to um, kill you all. The, the Christians were just as bad as everyone else. Oh, yeah. So um, that brings us to the end of this week's episode. If you've enjoyed it, uh, please feel free to shout us a cup of coffee at Buy Me A Coffee, Anne and Renata. Uh, We'd really appreciate supporting our work and allowing us to keep going. Uh, You can also become a Grand Poobah Patreon uh, if you would like to and get the behind the scenes and special lives that we do twice a month, if not more. And uh, also we have some other levels there if you'd like to support our work. But um, Renata... Mm. It's a true haunting and we're going back. Yes, we are And you can come back. with us. You can come with us. It is March. We're going to be uh, in Galway on St. Patrick's Day. And so, please, if you are interested, reach out to Mysterious Adventures and look up the Frightfully Good Adventure to Ireland. It's got oh. something to do with St. Yeah, Patrick's we'll Day. We'll be in uh, Galway on St. Patrick's yeah. Day. That's going to be a hoot. Yeah. So, um, yes, you can just uh, secure your spot and then actually pay it off. So, wow, there's nothing stopping you. And honestly, there is a list of at least two or three things that we are going to be seeing and doing every single day we're there. Oh, I think there's more than that. But anyway, thank you for joining us. We'll see you on the dark side. Remember to stay spooky. Be and frightfully good. Don't, don't be, be a dickhead. dickhead. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of True Hauntings. If you like the show, give us a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. For more on Anne and Renata, follow at Anne and Renata on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Or visit their website, www.anneandrenata.com. dust coming from still finding debris after vacuuming eufy x10 pro omni robot vacuum has 8000 pa of powerful suction to remove debris deep in carpets and it's totally hands-free want to know more go to eufy.com that's eufy.com and discover x10 pro omni the best in class all-in-one robot vacuum for only 799 dollars